So this past weekend, um, in case you missed it, it was, it was Easter weekend, right? And uh, we had in attendance here at Cedar Point for Saturday and Sunday, um, 2,128 people. Um, how awesome is that? Um, such a such an awesome blessing, and uh, um, just to be a part of that, you know, as I know many of you here um, served, you attended, you prayed, you were a part of just making that possible, and so I just wanted to celebrate that with you guys. It's so incredible. Um, but uh, tonight, we're going to kind of continue with the the Easter theme because um, I'm certain of this. There's some of you in the room that you didn't attend church this weekend, so um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk again about the resurrection tonight. Um, and as we do that, I want us to do this. I want us to open up our Bibles to John, John 20, verse 1. And so John is one of the Gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, John is the disciple of love. Um, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, and the Gospel accounts tell of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And I want us to look at the resurrection as told by John. And so in John 20, verse 1, it says this, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. And and the thing that this begins to reveal to us is, you know, when, when Jesus was arrested, his disciples scattered, right? They, they'd put all of everything into Jesus being the Messiah as they understood him. And so when he was arrested, I mean, their, their dreams, their aspirations, what they believed in that moment was crushed. They became fearful and they scattered, they panicked. And as these women approached Jesus's tomb that Easter morning, right, that resurrection day, they had no idea that Jesus wouldn't be there. In fact, they were showing up to continue the embalming process, right? To continue the preparations for Jesus's burial. But as they showed up, they realized that that he wasn't there. And, And even in that moment, there was initial panic. Where is the Lord's body? They've taken him. He isn't there. Because they hadn't fully realized what had taken place. And then in verse 3, it says, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. And it wasn't until that moment that that they began just to comprehend what had taken place. That they hadn't, until that moment comprehended what Jesus had, had said. He'd predicted his death so many times. And, and at one point, man, Peter even argued with him. He said, Lord, I'll, I'll, I won't let that happen to you. But then it just becomes reality. And in the reality of Jesus's death, again, they scatter, lost. But as it's revealed, the tomb is empty. 
as it's revealed that he's risen, things become, begin to come into focus. And the significance of this, it can't be lost on us today. It can't just be just another moment in our lives. It can't be another event here at the church. It's so much more. It's so profound. And my fear is we allow it to become white noise, static in the background, that we make all of these preparations, me included, weeks poured into planning for people to show up over the weekend. And then there's kind of this sigh of relief when it's all over Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but it should be continued anticipation. That shouldn't have been the climax. That's, it, should, it should be just a straight shot forward and up, onward to what God has for us. The work of the cross, it doesn't end on Easter Sunday. It's something that's meant to impact every moment and every day. And tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the implications of the resurrection. And I want us to look at three things that we have solely because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Three things in every believer's life that's available to us because of what he's done. Three reasons why this past weekend shouldn't be lost on us. Three weekends why we should approach every day especially every Sunday with the same type of anticipation, the same type of encouragement and expectation. Every Sunday, we should be inviting and encouraging and praying for 2,000 people to walk through these doors. Every week should be approached with the same evangelistic attitude that we had the past few weeks. Every moment, should be one of expectation of what will he do now? How will he move in my life today? He conquered death. What else can he conquer? So tonight, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Um, Ephesians was a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to the church of Ephesus. And so tonight in, in Ephesians 2, 8, it says this, God saved you. By his grace. Say grace. grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so point number one tonight is this. Because of Jesus, we experience the grace of God. But this is something that's available to, to every believer. Everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. Everyone who would recognize him as Lord and Savior. We experience the grace of God. But what is grace? An accurate definition describes grace is unmerited favor of God towards man, undeserved. When, when we read that, when we read the words of Paul, it says it's not 
It's a gift, not a reward. Not something we can boast about. And so often as we go through life, (laughs) we begin to to place ourselves at different points in the spectrum, right? As if some of us have it together more than others or as if some of us are better off than others. And and we, we do this, but the grace of God, it's available to each but not only is it available, it's, it's necessary for each of us. N- not one of us needs less grace from God than the other one. We we're all should be in equal pursuit of, of God's grace, his unmerited favor. Grace is an essential part of God's character. It's closely related to his love and his mercy. In his grace... God is willing to forgive us and bless us in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or dealt with so generously. I know in, in my life, again, I wasn't raised in the church. This is not, this wasn't a part of my story for so long. You know, I was, I was far from God. I, I was lost in sin and lust and addiction. And the thing I struggled with was how, how could I ever deserve what God's done for me? That when I finally reached that moment where I realized there was absolutely a God and he, he most certainly sent his son Jesus to die for those that would believe, then my struggle was, but how could I ever earn it? What could I possibly do that the, the weight of my sin, the weight of my transgressions, the things that I've done would surely keep me from ever receiving such a thing because I missed it. We, we can all be in danger of missing it. That, that God's grace is unmerited, unwarranted. There's absolutely nothing, nothing any of us could do to earn it. And before you're like, that's really depressing, it's freely available to all. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it, that that every single one of us in this room has equal opportunity to receive what God extended through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That, That his grace is available to each of us right now in this moment. It's because of his grace that I made it through today. It's because of his grace that I'll make it through tomorrow. And no matter how much I've messed up or how often I miss it, none of that keeps me from the ability to receive what he's given me. And none of what you've done keeps you from the opportunity to receive it. If, if you're here tonight and you've bought into the lie that, that you, you're too far gone, that you've done too much, if you've bought into the lie that, that you're just unworthy, well, you're right, but it's still there. You've, you haven't done too much, that, that God pours it out upon us. Again, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. And the beauty of that is 
That means the bad things you've done don't keep you from it. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Who's God's masterpiece? Each of us who receive God's grace. Each of us who receive it. We go from destitute drug addict to broken sinner to God's grace poured out upon us to masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus that he takes all of those broken places, all of those terrible things and he renews our spirit. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can tell others how saved we are and how much better we are than them. So we can do the good things he's called us to so we can serve him for his glory, so we can serve his church, the body of Christ, so we can carry out the plan and the purpose and the mission that he set before us so we can do the good things he's called us to. Again, point number one, because of Jesus, we experience the grace of God. If you would, as we move to point number two, I want us to go over to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, so 1 Peter was written by Peter. Um, in chapter 1 here, it says this. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Say great expectation. Kind of sounds like a commercial. But it's beautiful. This great expectation. Um, I want us to read this in the Amplified. Um, and this is a, a good time just to point out that, that if you're in here and you struggle with going back and forth in your Bible, if you download the Version Bible app, you can go to the events tab on there. We have all of the message notes in there, including all the verses that we use, including all the translations. And you may be in here and you may not have realized that there's different translations. Um, there, there are, you know, we typically do what's called the New Living Translation. The Amplified, I like that because um, it amplifies, like it extends God's word, it just brings some clarity to what's being said. Um, and it says this, and it says, blessed, and it expands on that. What is blessed? Well, it's greatly praised and adored. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again. That is to be reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. In case you didn't know what born again means, it just, it gets, it brings light to it. It goes on, it says, to an ever-living hope and confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? An ever-living hope. Say hope. An ever-living hope and confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus. So all praise be to God because in his great mercy, he saved us, those that, that couldn't save ourselves because he raised Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation or great hope because the truth of the matter is outside of Jesus, we had no hope. We were spiritually dead and bound for hell. Spiritually dead and bound for hell, absent of Jesus's resurrection and our salvation through God's grace. 
That was the reality. What a hopeless future. It's no wonder that my life, apart from his grace and mercy and forgiveness, was so awful. It's no wonder that I struggled with depression and anger and hatred. My life was hopeless. And the truth of the matter is, if you're in here tonight and you haven't received it, you live without hope too. You lack the great expectation that comes through Jesus and only through Jesus. And so point number two tonight is because of Jesus, we enjoy the hope of our salvation. The only hope. The only hope we have for being saved. The only hope we have for our lives being transformed. For us becoming new. The only hope we have for tomorrow looking better than today. Our only hope. And it's only because of Jesus that it's available You know, absent of this, again, we couldn't save ourselves. I spent almost 18 years in addiction, unable to break free because I lacked hope. I spent most of my life in broken relationships, and not just relationships of the opposite sex, family, friends, just, just a brokenness because I lacked the hope of salvation. Right, that, that because I hadn't experienced Jesus, my life was a wreck. I was so broken. And so we enjoy the hope of salvation because of Jesus. It goes on, 1 Peter 1, 4. It says, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay priceless inheritance. The hope of our salvation goes so much farther, so much more beyond today than we could ever imagine into eternity. That that the promise of God is that those of us that would call upon the name of Jesus, that that would call him Lord and friend and master, that would believe in faith that he was died and resurrected on our behalf, we have a hope of eternity. Not not only do we have a hope of, of God moving in our lives today? But we have the hope of forever being different. We have the hope of this, a priceless inheritance in heaven. Undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. You know, the beautiful thing about the hope that we receive from God is that it allows us to endure these trials, knowing that no matter what takes place, here and now, today, that God has forever. These trials will show that your faith is genuine, that it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. 
It's only because of Jesus that I stand before you today. It's only because of Jesus that any of this is possible, that, that any good and pleasing thing has come out of my life. It's, it's only because of his grace. It's only through the hope of what he's done in my life that I experience any of the great things that I do. And for so long, I missed it. For so long, I just thought, one, I thought it was just unreal, unrealistic, made up. I couldn't have been more wrong. And then as I realized the truth of God's word, and then I thought it wasn't for me. What a lie. What a lie the enemy told me and what a lie that I bought into that, that somehow God did this for everyone but me. And, and maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in here tonight and, and that's what you believe, that's what you've bought into. And I just want you to know nothing could be further from the truth. You're not too far gone. You're not beyond God's reach. That, that his grace is for you. That the hope of what he's done and what he has is for you too. I just want you to begin just to open your heart to, to the possibilities, to the truth of God's word. Again, point number two, because of Jesus, only because of Jesus, we enjoy the hope of our salvation. God's grace brings about our hope of salvation, but it doesn't end there. If you guys would, if you would turn with me to Romans 5 as we begin to look at point number three. Romans in your New Testament, um, it was another letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul. If you've never read through Romans, it's, uh, man, it's a powerful, powerful letter. It reveals so much truth. Paul lays out the entire gospel message in such a beautiful way. Um, every detail, it's, it's one of those, you could spend so much time here and learn something new every time. But Romans 5, Romans 5, starting in verse 1, it says, therefore, say therefore. therefore. So anytime you see therefore, you need to find out why it's therefore. And so Romans 4, Romans 4 lays it out. So if you see therefore, that's how it starts off. You need to go to the chapter before and figure out what in the world was talked about. And Paul in Romans 4, he lays out the promise that God had for Abraham, right? To make him a great and powerful nation, um, the nation of Israel, and, and how Abraham's faith in God made him righteous, caused God to count him as righteous. And, and then how through all of that, God brought about our Savior, Jesus. And, and just like God counted Abraham as righteous because of faith, he counts us as righteous because of our faith in Jesus. That's what the therefore is there for. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Again, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, not by works, not by pedigree, not because you came from the right family, grew up on the right side of the tracks, or came from the right neighborhood. No, it's by faith. We have peace with God because of what 
Jesus has done, because of what Jesus has done, not because of what any of us have accomplished under our own strength, which is always inadequate, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved, say undeserved, undeserved privilege. Do not fall into the lie that there's somebody out there that actually deserved any of what God has done for us. Undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully, say joyfully, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. Anybody in here face trials joyfully? No. It's what we're called to do. And the reason we struggle with it so much is because we, we really miss the, significant of the, the significance of the resurrection. That, that here, it's plainly written. It's plainly written. We can rejoice too. Why? Because we're made right. Because we're made right. We have undeserved privilege. We've received grace. We have hope of salvation. That because of that, we can rejoice, have joy. When we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I love that. I, for so long, man, I just, I just was convinced again that as I stepped in, as I stepped out, that, that I would find that I was right all along that this was, that this was bull, that, that I would just be disappointed, that all the, all the negative things I thought, I would just find out they were true anyways. So why waste my time? Why, why waste my time? And it, it wasn't until I was just out of place where I'd exhausted all options that I finally surrendered to God and thought, I guess we'll find out. We'll mess around and see. <laughs> that has happened. <laughs> but it's because of our faith that Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Then I can rejoice. I can rejoice when I can't pay my bills, which still happens, because I know that no matter what happens, my, my eternity is handled. I, I can rejoice when, when my marriage struggles because I know that if I lean into God, that he'll see us through, that he's faithful. He's faithful and he's just and he's right and he's everything my life was missing. That things don't have to be perfect. Things don't have to go my way. That I can rejoice, I can have joy because I know that, that one day serving and following 
Jesus, my risen Savior, is better than 10,000 days the other way. That, that one day in his presence, touched by his Holy Spirit, is better than, than anything that this broken world can throw at me. And it says, we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Say, God loves me. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Because of Jesus, we can have joy in every season. Because of Jesus, we can have joy in every season. I'm not saying every season will be great, that it'll be perfect, but when you lean in to God's grace and that confident hope of salvation, you can have joy in every season. And joy is not happiness. And I think that's where we miss it. And we think, man, Christians, I used to think Christians are just too happy. Nobody can be that happy. They're, man, a bunch of frauds, a bunch of phonies until, man, I realize that it's, it's not happiness that, that they're walking around with. It's joy. And joy is different than happiness. And so I want to lay out some differences for you. Um, first, um, this is really profound. Uh, if you got notes, notepads, pens, there's pens in the seat back in front of you. You can write this down. Joy is a little word. Happiness is a much bigger word. Um, so just <laughs> joy, joy is in the heart, right? It's something that God does in us, right? We have just a just cold, hard heart, but the love of Christ impacts it in such a way that, that our joy is found there. Happiness is just on our face. You know, I get happy when I get an Amazon package. <laughs> it doesn't bring me any joy. It doesn't do anything about what's in here. Joy is of the soul, right? The mind, will, emotions. It's something that God has, has transformed in us. It's something his, his spirit grows inside of us. Joy is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. And the reason we can have joy is because it comes from within. And when we confuse it with happiness, if our circumstances aren't right, I'm unhappy. If things aren't going my way, I'm unhappy. But we can have joy in those moments. Joy transcends, which goes beyond. Happiness reacts Joy embraces peace and contentment, waiting to be discovered. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Happiness is balm. Don't worry, be happy. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy it endures hardships and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. Again, joy endures hardships. Happiness is fleeting. But the joy that's found through God's grace 
and our hope of salvation, it transcends. It transcends. It goes beyond. It endures. It endures news of sickness, of loss. It endures financial hardships. It enjoys the stress of relationships and jobs. Joy endures hardships and trials. And it does it through connecting with a risen Savior. And nothing that takes place can diminish the value of what Jesus has done on the cross. And when our joy is connected to that, nothing can impact it. A person pursues happiness that chooses joy. And you choose joy by choosing Jesus. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to do this. Uh, we're going to close just a little bit differently tonight. And, and right where you are, if, if you would just close your eyes and, and bow your head. And, and what I want you to do tonight is I want you to just begin just to spend a moment with God. I want you to evaluate where, where you're at. Have you been looking to the world as your source of hope? Have you been looking to the world for your source of joy? Have you been looking in all the wrong places for the thing that can only be found through the cross? Just begin to allow God to speak to you.